Hey everyone, welcome to episode 38 of the Switch Focus podcast. I'm your host Andy Corrigan, with me uh, acting with Valor, whether that's in the Switch's new MOBA or <laughs> fighting against the Nazi forces in Wolfenstein, uh, are Ginny Wu and Andrew Brown. How are you guys this week? Pretty good, pretty good. Fine. Uh, <laughs> fine. <laughs> All right. Talk about being positive, why don't you? <laughs> when have I ever done that? That is <laughs> true. He's he's playing up to his type. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, let's talk about things that happened since last week's episode. Uh, I have a conclusion to my Fortnite and Epic account woes. Uh, so basically I emailed Epic support saying, hey, just delete every account that I own and then I can sign up with my new email address. They mm-hmm. completely missed what I wanted and just deleted my progress from the account I've never used <laughs> <laughs> that was tied to PS4. Nice. Uh, and then, so they, they eventually deleted it, which was fine. And then I couldn't figure a way to get out of my account on the Switch version. Uh, and basically when you when you continue without registering an account, what you can do is you can log on to the Epic website with your Switch details, with your Nintendo account, and then it will create an account for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, by that point, I'd already re-registered with my with the email address I wanted, so I couldn't sort of reclaim it, but that's, that's fine. Um, so I, I was able to dissociate that one from the Switch, and then associate my new one with switch and then it just picked it up automatically so i now have an account that can cross play with the xbox uh, and as i promised i've spent money on the game now i've bought the battle pass and a costume nice uh yeah so now i'm back on the uh, search for getting my first victory Royale on my new account the old account still exists i haven't got the heart to tell them to delete it yet so my my sole victory real still exists somewhere in the ether <laughs> yeah, glad glad to have that sorted and free of Sony and the account locking, which is just ridiculous. But yeah, it took a while to get there. Uh, yeah, I've been playing some more this week, so that's good. I'm I'm still into it. Are you still playing it, Andrew? Oh yeah, I'm still super into it. I've unlocked most of the battle pass challenges that are available they're still week 10 waiting to unlock next week but i've done every other challenge so i've slowed down a little bit but i am still playing it when i have a few minutes free cool i uh so yeah with the battle pass i like what it's doing Um, i'm not aggressively chasing any of the challenges like you've been uh but it's just nice when you've lost one to see oh cool i ticked that off the list and just you know, have some sense of progression, even though you're not winning a match, which is obviously you know the odds are against you with a hundred to one. So yeah, it's still enjoying it, and I'm glad to be back on it. Uh, in other news, I also finished Banner Saga two. Oh. Uh, some comments on this. Uh, pleasingly, it avoids the late difficulty spike that the first game had. I, I found it generally easier. Mm. Uh, which was better, but uh, what I really wanted to talk about was some of the choices they make you uh, decide in this one. It's like, there are some really like super high-pressure choices where I had to stop and think about it f- for a while. Mm. Uh, one in particular was uh, a decision that I, I just have this sense that it's going to come back to bite me in the, the third game. And all logic was telling me to do this one thing, but then I was so into the characters that I had to play it as I thought the characters would play it, so I had yep, to go yep. against 
my natural instinct inclination yeah, yeah so I, i'm really interested to see how that pans out but like i felt in this one more than the first that every choice really did matter yeah for sure uh, and I, I really can't wait to see how that comes together in the third and final one so that's uh they've got a release date for the pc version haven't they which is end of july yeah they do so hopefully switch isn't too far behind yeah, I was kind of hoping it'd be day and date, but I don't think that's going to be realistic. Nah. But yeah, we'll see how we go with that. Um, and Mario Tennis Aces, I finished the adventure mode. It was quite the roller coaster. Uh, I got stuck on Blooper for two days, and I was like one match away from just giving it up altogether. Mm. Uh, and then I realized that I was trying to beat him at tennis, and I didn't need to do that. Uh, and I just had to break his racket, so I just forgot about the scoring and just focused on hitting him with the zone moves, zone shots, and it was really easy once I sort of went down that that route. So I think for me, what one of the biggest problems with the game is there is a weird difficulty spike. So there's the rhythm of like easy challenge, easy challenge, easy challenge, hard. And <laughs> yeah. you just, have to, just have to deal with it. Um, but I think once you work out the strategy, those hard things can be really easy. Uh, and I think what it should do is signpost the things a bit better. Like there was no indication with the blooper example that uh, I needed to go for the racket break. It just says beat him at tennis. So that's what I was trying to do. Mm. If they gave some sort of clue as to like, hey, maybe you should be a bit more aggressive, I might have got there quicker. Uh, yeah, but once yeah. I... I got a strategy down for each type of challenge. I generally flew through it pretty quickly after that. Like, Blooper was really my my breakthrough moment. Mm. Um, and, yeah, so, like, for the rally challenges, I figured out that the best strategy is just to keep hitting the ball back down the centre. And that sort of limits the zone shots. It's, in, it, like, sometimes it's impossible if they hit you with like a super powerful shot that sort of sends you backwards you gets a bit more difficult but i found them easier to manage that way just by hitting it straight down the center mm. uh and the uh the return challenge where you you've got the the nets that you hit the ball off that again was just you know that was pretty easy it was just about keeping momentum and hitting the star shots when when you can and and making sure you don't just hit it down an empty channel once you have cleared out part of the the court Mm. uh yeah and i'm glad i sort of persevered uh i'm glad i beat it but it was i came so close to quitting a couple of times Uh, and i feel like it's one of those where uh, everyone's gonna have a different stopping point you know like how in uh, bloodborne or dark souls everyone has a different boss that they thought was the most difficult i i I kind of feel like it's like that because when I uh, was talking about my struggles with Blooper, everyone was like, oh, wait till you fight Kamek. And <laughs> I had him done in two rounds. So, yeah, I, I, it's just different for everyone, I think. It's going to be based on how they're naturally in, inclined to play the game. Uh, I didn't check out the tournament mode, but I did check out the swing mode, and that was awful. I have no <laughs> yeah, need to Yeah, it's pretty terrible. Uh, so, are you guys still playing this one? Yeah, I'm still playing. Um, I'm Bowser is currently just beating me into the ground repeatedly. Um, <laughs> I just can't seem to beat Bowser. I think 
I, I had a couple of, I guess, slips here and there at the start, but I sort of, I think, got over the difficulty hump fairly quickly after I played some tournament and multiplayer to kind of, I guess, get some more game sense. But Bowser is just destroying me. So is I think the I'm... the statue or the, the one after that? No, it's the one after that. And yeah, it's okay. just, I'm just getting destroyed. And I think it's just something, I just probably take a couple of days away from it maybe and then come back to it. Maybe just some time away will make me feel less like I'm banging my head against a wall. But also, I know that I'm so close to the end that I can't stop. So I've no doubt that I'll push through. But um, I did find, I guess, playing in the course of playing the game, that everything that I knew about tennis, I just had to get rid of. Like, I know it's called Mario Tennis Aces, but this is not a game about tennis. <laughs> this is not a game yeah. where tennis skills are important. This is much more like, I think your comparison last week to a fighting game really, really made sense because it is about offensive strategies like breaking your opponent's racket and making them unable to, I guess, deal damage to you, essentially. So I think I felt the fighting game flow a lot more after your analogy last week. But yeah, this is not a tennis game. This is like an action fighting game, in my opinion. I'm enjoying it still, even though Bowser is killing me slowly inside. But um, if anyone else is having difficulty with doing different kinds of shots, I don't know if you guys have encountered that, but I was so bad at using the the left stick um, and the and like A and B and like the directional cues to do lobs and slices. You can actually rejig that. Like you can press A and B to lob and press B and A to drop shot. And I found that a lot easier than I guess aiming with the analog sticks to get the shot that I wanted. So I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah cool. so you can use that. So I found that I found that control combination a lot more intuitive for me because I was going to use A or B to hit the ball anyway, and just changing the order around just made it so much easier to actually land those drop shots. So if you're struggling with the controls, try that out. It's all hidden in the game's controls and like how to play screen. There's like alternative controls for some of the other trickier shots. So I would check that out if you are having trouble. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, I didn't have a major trouble with placing my shots or anything, but. Uh... Yeah, that's good to know. That's a good alternative. I might have switched to that earlier had I known about it. But Are you still playing, Andrew? I haven't played the story mode since last week, last weekend. Uh, so I'm still at the beginning of the Snowy Mountain region going for the third power orb. But I did try yeah. the flower tournament, and the difficulty goes up significantly from the mushroom tournament starting there. It feels more in line with doing the quote-unquote traditional tennis matches in the story mode uh so i i ran out of time doing what i was doing so i wanted to play something else when i got home so i just bailed out of that tournament after only one or two matches so i really haven't played it much but i do intend to go back to it and hopefully finish at least the story mode in this coming week uh so uh yeah let's uh, move on to the latest switch news <laughs> Only one bit of news this week is that Hollow Knight has only been on the store for what, two weeks and it's already sold 250,000 copies. That is amazing numbers and just goes to show how much indie games are finding a, a place on the, the Switch ecosystem. People seem to be rallying behind them in, in droves. Uh, good numbers. I haven't picked it up yet. It's on my watch list. Uh you got any other comments from last week? I believe you finished it in the last week, Andrew. Yeah, I finally finished it. Uh, uh, it's based on Metroid, but it follows more of the uh, Castlevania 
like side-scrolling adventures styles where particularly an area of sorrow where there was a different set of endings and even an entirely new area you could unlock if you fully explored the castle and solved a bunch of clues and hollow knight follows that design philosophy like almost to the letter it took me 18 hours just to get to like the default boss fight and get the bad ending there are still new areas that i need to go into and new puzzles that i need to solve so that way i can go back to that final boss and beat him in the special way that way i'll unlock the true final boss and one of two additional more satisfying more resolute endings uh hollow knight is it's an astonishing game uh i I said it last week, and I still feel that way this week after finally beating it and just getting the very basic minimum ending. If I'm not still talking about this in our Game of the Year episode, then the games that have come out in the next six months have been truly stellar. Wow. Uh, Yeah, it's uh, had a lot of good press. Uh, I'm hoping to check it out at some point. Uh, Just not a priority for me. Okay, so let's talk about what we've been playing in this last week. Uh, first up is Lost in Harmony, which Ginny's been playing. Uh, how are you finding that one, Ginny? Um, so obviously everyone that's been listening to this for, you know, longer than two episodes will know that I'm a rhythm game fanatic. Every rhythm game on this store I have tried, um, except Luminous, but that's more like a puzzle game, I feel personally, but... Regardless, I've played pretty much every other rhythm game on the store. So when I saw Lost in Harmony pop up, I thought, you know, I need this. Um, it looked really visually interesting. It looked like, I guess, it was telling a story um, of some, I think, two, a young couple in a sci-fi dystopia who sort of escaped to a different world in their dreams and that their world is soundtracked by music. So... And there, are also, there was also, I guess, a lot of stuff behind the game that made me really hopeful. So um, the people that made Valiant Hearts, um, they were behind this as well. So that made me very interested in it because Valiant Hearts made me cry like a tiny, tiny child. Um, mm-hmm. And if there's anything I like more than a rhythm game, it's a game that makes me cry like a tiny, tiny child. So it looked like on paper a match made in heaven for me. But um, regretfully... I just, I just couldn't finish it. I couldn't make myself finish it. It's not even a long game. There's only about 13 levels. It's not a long game at all. I just scraped through half and I thought, this is, this is enough. I need to stop. Um, I know that sounds like I'm being really down on it. And it's not that the game isn't beautiful or that the game doesn't look good. Um, I mean, the game has a strange thing whereby the music is actually just like dubstep remixes of like Wagner and Bach and classical music. So if you don't like classical music being mangled by dubstep and trap beats, maybe don't get this game. I found the music okay. I thought rhythmically it made sense. But just the controls were just so unintuitive and terrible. I just couldn't wrap my head around them. So you could play on a touchscreen if you wanted to. Um, or you could play using button pads, um, but the game would have you navigate around using the analog stick to leap over obstacles and to avoid getting hit by cars or spaceships or whatnot in your dreams, and have you kind of, I guess, press buttons on the side or use a hand on the touchscreen to to do the 
hashtag rhythm game elements. It was just the way that the buttons were arranged on the screen do not match the way the buttons look on the console. Like you've got X, A, Y, and B all lined up in four rows. And the way that the play across the screen and the way that the narrative, the way that the rhythm game segments actually come into the game just don't make any sense. The most exciting part where the music builds and the music climaxes, you're on your hoverboard using touchscreen controls to avoid stuff like in Temple Runner. And then when the music slows down, it's a lot more melancholy and I guess easy. That's when they give you the rhythm game segments. It just seemed like a great idea beautifully, you know, that was beautifully made, but just horrifically executed which is awful because again I loved how it looked and it reminded me initially of arcade rhythm games but there's just the game is just it makes it so hard for you to enjoy yourself and to play it properly that if you're not rhythm game die hard you're gonna have given up way before I did yeah I I hadn't seen that one on the store to be honest so uh, my interest peaked when you said it was made by the same people as uh, as Valiant Hearts because I absolutely adored that game. Yeah, me too. Um, but yeah, um, I, I don't know. Yeah, I, I think I'll take your advice and not really bother with it. <laughs> it's a it's a port of a mobile game, which okay. which which I guess in most cases is a warning to to be cautious. Yeah. Um. So before we get on to the big releases, uh, they released the Arena of Valor beta this week you've both been playing it my MOBA experience is restricted almost entirely to Heroes of the Storm I did play Dota 2 for a little while and then when I finished the tutorial uh, I got a little pop-up on the screen said congratulations you're ready to play with other people and I was like oh god and I uninstalled it (laughs) Uh, but I do like Heroes of the Storm I've had fun with Heroes of the Storm so Whenever I play another MOBA, I'm always comparing it to that experience. Mm. And Arena of Valor, as a MOBA that you play on a screen and with a gamepad, I think it's the best controlling MOBA experience I've had, especially since it's a traditional top-down MOBA, whereas games like Smite and uh, Paragon, which is no longer with us, were third-person perspective games, or even uh, Battleborn, which is actually an incredible game. Don't listen to the bad hype on it. I love that game. Hmm. But it didn't do anything to stand out the way Smite or Paragon did to stand out from other MOBA titles out there. It felt like every other MOBA that I'd ever played. It doesn't really offer anything any like unique twists or any original ideas on game design it's just a MOBA there are three lanes that you go up to destroy enemies towers there's a lot of team fights uh, all the characters in it are well if you don't know the history of MOBAs multiplayer online battle arenas is they got started as a custom game type in Warcraft 3 using the Warcraft 3 map editor uh, in a game map called Defense of the Ancients And so since Dota 2 and League of Legends were spun off from those custom game maps, a lot of the characters in those games look suspiciously like characters from Warcraft, and Arena of Valor definitely follows that idea. There are actually (laughs) two characters in this game that are blatant ripoffs of Kerrigan, 
And then there are other characters that there's one guy who's like this big knight with a sword and a shield. His armor looks exactly like the king of Lordaeron's armor in World of Warcraft. Uh, there is a character in this who is Siri. It, it's Siri. You, you look at it. That's Siri. So <laughs> there's just nothing original in this to make me care about it. It's just a MOBA. It's not a bad MOBA. I think this game is going to do very well on the Switch because I guess there's actually maybe not in the U.S. so much because just the way the U.S. is set up, we are focused more on PC and console games and mobile games are still on the rise here. But outside the U.S. at least, I guess there's a huge audience for this game. So this might actually be the first major eSport title on the Switch. That's going to be pretty big. And Mm -hmm. it's also free. Uh, this is just a beta which you had to opt into but when the game does come out it's going to be free and it's a totally functional and well performing MOBA title I think it's going to do very well just for someone like me who's looking for you know an engaging story and original characters and just uh, a hitch to get draw me into the game uh, this game is not there for me on that I I don't think I'll be playing it much. Cool. I play a lot of League of Legends. I write about League of Legends. Um, esports are my thing. So I'm interested in this game, not, I guess, from a player sort of slash mechanical perspective, but more for what it can bring to the Switch as an esports title. So as Andrew was saying, um, the audience for this game potentially is huge. I think I read somewhere that there's something like 300 million players in Asia that play this game. And a lot of those people probably have access to a Switch or will want to play it um, on a screen that's bigger than their Huawei P10 or Samsung Galaxy. So I can see that the game has a huge potential to be very lucrative because you have the option of microtransactions like in pretty much every other um, mobile game. You have optional cosmetics that you can pay money for. You can buy tickets to get cosmetics for your characters. The selection of the Switch is quite limited. I believe it's not actually the full selection. If I'm not wrong, there's a lot more glamours and costumes available for the characters um, on the mobile version. And also a lot more licensed characters like GC and other hero characters are available on the yeah, mobile I, version. I forgot about that. I thought Superman and Batman were supposed to be in this game. I completely yeah. forgotten about that. Yeah, so yeah. there's Joker, Batman, and Wonder Woman on the mobile version, so I think they're going to be pulling those in at some stage, but for now, the beta has sort of, I guess, the core roster of heroes that Tencent put together. And Andrew's completely right, they're all ripoffs. Um, Tencent owns um, League of Legends, and a lot of characters are just reskins of League of Legends characters. Um, pretty much the entire roster is drawn from somewhere else, which is completely fine. That is the nature, I guess, of, of a mobile mobile MOBA. But I'm just very impressed that it plays the way that it plays. Matchmaking was pretty much instantaneous for me. I know Andrew wasn't as lucky with some of the arcade game modes. Yeah, can I just clarify that point? Mm. Yeah, uh, they're buried in the menus, and I will say this game's menus are not laid out very well. Hopefully they'll fix that in the full release. But buried in one of the menus, there's a, a set of weekly challenges you can do. One of them was to play anywhere from 1 to 10 
five versus five, I think it's called abyssal trench matches. I didn't even know what that meant, except that there were five players on each team. But whatever the special rules are, I will never find out because <laughs> the queue times for that, especially compared to how fast the regular like skirmish mode was going, were just ridiculously long. I don't know why nobody is playing that, but... Hopefully that will change in the full release. Yeah, I think it will. Um, I think there'll be a lot more people. I guess there'll be a bigger pool of players to pull from for the full release. So it'll be easier to find matches. But can I just say, I am so glad that it is completely self-reliant and you don't need to use the bloody Nintendo Switch app to matchmake. That would have actually just killed the experience for me. I am so glad you can matchmake within the game and not have to use that app. As much as I've defended the app in the past... I think matchmaking on that and having to use voice chat on that would be a hellish experience. So I'm very glad that um, Arena Valley seems to function in a self-contained environment. So all in all, I'm positive on it because, like Annie said, I love League of Legends. I'm never going to give up League of Legends for this game. Um, it's not nearly as engaging and as complete a package as League of Legends, but for being the first MOBA on the Switch and potentially the first MOBA that a lot of younger people are going to have the gonna have the ability to access i'm thinking like kids you know in the sort of like young teens bracket whose parents probably won't buy them you know a computer to run the legends on or something like that i think it's got the power to go all the way can't and League of legends think, run like on a toaster though <laughs> yeah but then but then your whole team flames you and then your teammates yeah. tell you to get cancer and then that's a horrible environment for a child so i think in a voice chat optional mobile like this where it's not as crucial to have your teammates yell at you or you, know, you don't need to have them yelling at you and calling you awful names it's a lot of a it's a much more friendly mobile light environment to start in so i think that it's going to go all the way on this console and i hope that we get the full version that the rest of china slash age has been getting on the mobile but i like what i see so far i wouldn't give up my day job to play it but i'm just very happy that it's there yeah it's the thing with the switch because the the voice comms are so the system is so undefined on the Switch. Mm. Uh, it sort of helps me try games that I wouldn't usually try. So based on what you've just said there, I might give this a look when it comes out for free. Why not? Yeah. Uh, if comms aren't as important as in the other MOBAs where you hear all the awful stories of people being screamed slurs. Yeah. Uh, um, <laughs> it's more likely to get me to jump in. Also, like I have played Overwatch on PS4. I mm-hmm. loved what I've played, but on... You know, to get to the high level stuff, you need to be communicating, and yeah. it's just not for me. And I, I dropped it. I, I love it. I respect the hell out of it. Uh, but I'm more likely to give Paladins a go when it re- when it releases for free on on Switch. They've mm-hmm. only got the Founders Pack version up at the moment. But when that comes out, I'm, I'm going to look at that and give that a go because I, I guess a lot of people won't be using comms, and that sort of makes that feel a lot more welcoming to me. Uh, so yeah, that's it's one of those genres where it's not probably not for me, but I'll I'll give it a look for free on the Switch. Why not? Mm. Um, so the other thing you've been playing, Jenny, was Crash Bandicoot, the yeah. insane trilogy. A mm-hmm. uh, lo- lot of people have fond memories of this game. Does it live up to those memories for you, or how how are you finding it? Um, well, the only one I ever really played was Levels from Three when I was a child, so I didn't really get to experience you know one two and three and have that sort of rose tinted childhood nostalgia going on but i don't know if i've just lost all semblance of hand-eye coordination or something but i just feel like the games are harder now 
like as a child, I recall I had no trouble breezing through the levels in Crash, which are admittedly very easy. But for some reason now, I just have lost depth perception. I've forgotten what certain enemies do, even though they seem quite self-explanatory at the time. And I mean, I'm liking it. It's not like prohibitively hard. It's not like noticeably difficult. But I just thought to myself, you know, I had memories of the game being a lot less taxing. But I'm enjoying it. Um, it is a blast from the past, and I have to admit, everything looks great. Everything, the graphics have been dialed up, keyed up to like a million times better than they were before, and they look amazing. The game is beautiful. Um, this is the same for all three. Um, I've played, I guess, a couple levels in each since I got it, just to make sure that I get like an idea of what everything looks like, so I could review it for this podcast. Um, but no, it looks really, really good. Uh, the controls are fine. It handles well. There's no delay. I didn't feel any input lag. It was just a really good experience. I have to admit, the graphics looking so good do affect my nostalgia glasses in a way. Like when I booted up, I was like, you know, people could have just said, "Oh, Jenny, we've made a whole new Crash Bandicoot game," and I would have been like, "Yeah, I believe it." Like you know, it just didn't. The levels were familiar, but I think it looking so good. Even though this sounds so stupid, it feels like some of the soul of the old games has been removed. That being said, still love it. Still gonna play it because it's such a fond blast from the past. So I'm still definitely gonna keep playing it. But it feels—I know it's just an HD reskin, but it definitely feels like the essence of the game has been slightly diluted. Um, either way, like I said, still loving it. Still great. If you ever played Crash as a kid. Then you want to pick it up. If you didn't play Crash as a kid, you may be frustrated by the old timey platform mechanics because nothing has changed mechanically, right? The game still wants the same stuff out of it. You jump on stuff, you spin around and hit stuff, you avoid things, jump on more things, activate a path, jump on more things, spin around. And if you're someone that likes more complicated platformers or you've been playing Celeste recently, this is definitely a million miles away from that. So if you like modern platformers, then I think the datedness of the mechanics will grate on you. But if you've played any of these games at all growing up as a kid, then you're going to want to play it now. It looks good, it feels good, and it's just a nice time, a nice relaxing time, a nice break from Bowser beating me into the ground. And Andrew played it as well, right? I think he was going to pick it up. There were two games that came out uh, yesterday as we were recording this, which was Wolfenstein 2 and the Crash Trilogy. Uh, I knew I would only have time to play one, and I chose Wolfenstein 2. <laughs> uh, Respect. Yeah. I. The only times I've played Crash Bandicoot were, I'm pretty sure, the very first one, which was on demo kiosks and stores, which, uh, to the children out there, once upon a time, you used to be able to play a couple levels of a video game on a TV that was installed near the ceiling at the video game section of a store. This was how we played demos before the internet. And uh, also the... Crash Bandicoot sample levels that were in Uncharted 4. Uh, those are the <laughs> only times I've actually played Crash Bandicoot. So I'm kind of looking forward to playing the games in their entirety. Uh, I'm thinking maybe doing one a week in the coming month, but we'll see what happens. Uh, but maybe I'll, I'll have more to say about it next week. Uh, and you uh, segued us nicely into the, the final game we're going to talk about this week, which was, of course, Wolfenstein 2 The New Colossus. Uh, so I'll I'll mix that. So it is a very very authentic port of what I've already played on the PS4. Uh, the visuals are worse 
<laughs> that's natural. It's on a lower spec machine. Uh, it gets a little blurry, especially in outdoor environments. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it runs very smoothly. I think it's good enough. Uh, it kind of just looks like a last gen shooter, which is you know about the power level of the the Switch. So it's fine. It feels a little easier than the PS4 version. I, I had read somewhere that they'd rework some bits to be less frustrating, but I can't find any concrete sources on that. But overall, I'm I'm really enjoying revisiting it. Uh, like I said with Doom, uh, I don't think I would recommend this to be someone's first playthrough of this game. But <laughs> if you wanted to give it a, a second playthrough, then you know it, it's perfectly workable. I've done some testing in both docked and handheld. I, I'm finding handheld looks a lot nicer because of the smaller screen. It sort of hides some of those uh, blurriness issues, but like it, it is the exact full game with with no compromises other than in the visuals. Yeah, like, uh, can we talk about that for just a second? Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, like uh, you can tell playing this, and this was done by the same team at. Panic Button. Is that what they're called? Panic Button? Yeah, Panic yeah. Button. Done by the same team at Panic Button who ported Doom and uh, Rocket League to the Switch and did amazing jobs on those, but you could really tell on those two games that there were a lot of compromises made to get them running uh, at full performance on the Switch, especially Doom, where even then there were still some set-piece levels where there were single-digit frame rate drops. Uh, I didn't experience that in this one. Uh, I, there was one point where the game completely hitched up on a single frame for about five seconds when I accidentally set off an explosion right in front of me. Other than that, it ran pretty much flawlessly. Uh, and if I didn't know that this was a port of a AAA game on PlayStation 4, Xbox, PC, uh, I would totally believe that this was a game made for exclusively for Switch. With the oh, wow. yeah, with the, its graphics built actually for this system, but there are places where you can really tell that there were compromises made, like uh, as Andy mentioned in outdoor areas, but not just in outdoor areas, just in any of the larger areas where enemies are quite far away. There's especially one place I ran into this, which is a large courtroom area that you get into a fight in, uh, where enemies can shoot at you from the other side of the room. And unfortunately, if they are on the other side of the room, they can get so blurry at that distance, which is one of the main ways that it compensates for the lack of power is it blurs things out the further away they are. Uh, It was very difficult to pick out specific enemies who were actually shooting at me from the other side of the room. And also, the main enemy in the game, her name is General Engel, uh, she suffered this really nasty wound, which has left her face just with this massive scar and it's quite nasty looking in FMV and on the cover but when you actually run into her in the game itself you can actually really see how much lower the resolution is on the character models because you can barely see the scar when you see her in game it it kind of ruins the effect a little bit but other than that this is a, a port of a triple A shooter that just came out last October on the switch already it runs pretty much at full frame at all times, and it's a pretty good shooter. So there's very little to complain about if you want to play a game like this portably. Because the compromises are totally worth it, and once you're in the heat of it, you barely notice. 
Yeah, it's like worst case, there's like a little adjustment period where it's just like, oh, that's blurry, and then you stop caring after 10 minutes of being in a firefight. Uh, I haven't had any instances where the blurriness has affected my ability to pick out enemies yet. I haven't got to that that part that you you talked about. Um, but yeah, it, it does it definitely has a better frame rate than than Doom did. Uh, but yeah, I, I think if you if you're gonna play this for the first time, probably play it on PS4. But uh, as an option to replay, like this is a wonderful luxury. Uh, just want to talk about the the cast in this one because I absolutely adore them. Uh, everyone is uh, very well characterized. Uh, one of my favorite characters from the the previous game, which was uh, Caroline Becker. She's only in it briefly in this one, but her her appearance is really good. Grace Walker uh, deserves special mention. I've just gotten to her again in the Switch version, uh, and I'm enjoying her just as much as I did in the first time around. Uh, you've got all his crew, uh, BJ's crew on the uh, U-boat with uh, Set and uh, I love those Set. guys. <laughs> yeah, he's great. Yeah. And his weird cat monkey thing. Oh, sh- yeah, I was disappointed yeah. with that cat monkey thing, though, because uh, I already knew the game's big spoiler going into it because it was kind of hard not to hear about it if you are in a video game like, criticism space. But mm. I hadn't heard about what happens after that big spoiler. And as soon as I saw the cat monkey, I was like, oh, really? Because oh. <laughs> I, I really thought that they were actually going to go there and introduce a new player character. But I, mm. no, not, not so much. So I was a little disappointed by that. But we, we, we yeah. can talk about that in a bit when we get to my full discussion. Yeah, I, uh, I, I, when I played that the first time around, I had no idea what the spoiler was. Um, and when the event happened... I was sort of horrified for ten minutes watching it unfurl before they they sort of did a reneg on it it's, in some way. It's still the best sequence in the game, even if you know how it resolves. Yeah, and and like like the first game, I know you didn't enjoy the first game as much as I did, Andrew, but I, I like how how this sort of straddles a weird line between like just silliness and seriousness. I like had a completely different read on it actually. Because oh, yeah. that was my, why I was disappointed in the New Order so much was uh, I, I didn't play it until last November. And I had heard it being built up for, for so many years where I was actually thinking it was a serious story about, like, what would the world be like if the Axis won World War II? Uh, which is kind of what it's like, but it also throws a lot of, like, mad science and, like, cartoon characters in there. Uh and I, I was kind of let down by that, uh, which I don't really know why, because I'd played previous Wolfenstein games. I knew it was all about that mad science stuff. I shouldn't have been surprised that it was in this one, too, but I thought, you know, it's the era of gritty reboots, so I thought that was the direction they were going. But they've gone even more in the comedy in this one. Like, there's one sequence that just had me in flabbergasted disbelief at what I was seeing because one of the two timelines you can select depending upon which character you choose to save at the start of the game uh, the guy I chose to save was Wyatt who is dealing with the situation that he's in the game by abusing some drugs that he found from a character from the previous game which is actually LSD and you're in this big (laughs) combat sequence and he takes a hit off a stamp and he goes chasing after this cartoon chameleon in the battlefield. It was just 
ridiculous and absurd and i loved it it was so funny and stupid and just i couldn't believe it was happening i i was more on board for the tone and the humor in this one and i think this game is also actually less it's more over the top but it's less like gory and gratuitous like there isn't a brain snatching plot in this one uh so i was able to get on with it a lot more than the first one i think now you see, I always save Fergus, and I just can't bring myself to save Wyatt, and I had wondered why I hadn't seen the hallucination scene that was in the trailer, and now, <laughs> now I've just realised, so that's cool. I actually couldn't remember who it was I saved last time, so I just picked one. <laughs> it's entirely possible I did save Fergus in the first game, but, you know, I, I liked Wyatt, so I'm happy with how it turned out. Uh, and in this one, um, Fergus also has some sort of comedy uh, ailment throughout the rest of the story which is is really funny with everything that's happening politically in the u.s and even really throughout the world right now uh, but especially in the u.s with the way the game is set largely in the united states and since you are running around shooting nazis that's that's what most of the game is there is some resonance to this game which i think would make certain people react to it in certain ways and I think it's uh, impossible not to address that when talking about this game, but at the same time, this is still a fantasy. Like, the state of the U.S. is not at the point that it is in this game, so it can be cathartic to play it, but I think we should also be wary of drawing lessons from this game, or otherwise we might draw the the wrong lessons, because... I really think that everything that happens in this game is mostly justified. I don't think any of the characters, even though uh, there are several frustrating sequences where you're basically forced to sit around and watch the Nazis justify the actions of your characters as being wrong, and that I think particularly is frustrating because of things that are happening in the United States right now. Uh, I think if you're into what it's reaching for, especially if you've been frustrated with uh, how Ubisoft has handled the the political issues they've raised in their games like Far Cry 5 and in, uh, in The Division, they don't pull the punches in this game, and I really admire it for that reason alone. That's probably why I enjoyed it so much more. Uh, another reason that I actually like this game better than the first game was... Uh, there's actually a lot more to it, I feel like, especially in the single-player, as a single-player shooter. There is no multiplayer in this game, but there is things that keep me coming back. Like, the first game had a lot of collectibles hidden in the maps, but I didn't really want to replay the levels, because it was a one-and-done game for me. I had no desire to go back and replay the game to find, like, all these newspapers that are hitting around, and, like, gold deposits that the Nazis have everywhere, and, like, these Enigma machine devices that you can use to unlock things on the main menu. Uh, Wolfenstein 2 brings all those things back, but it also gives you the ability to return to those levels without having to replay the game. And also the Enigma machines now, when you find them, you actually use them to locate Nazi commanders that are hidden around the United States. And you can return to those areas and you can hunt them down in like a, an assassination side quest game. And like the more of those you do, you get more resources that actually will make your campaign easier. Although I actually got through the whole campaign just fine, but I was just playing on the default difficulty. 
but yeah when i when i played when i played it originally i didn't bother with the side missions at all and I, it was fine mm-hmm. like uh at one point in the game you get to an ability to choose an upgrade for your character that gives them different movement abilities but you can only choose one but if you fully explore the u-boat environment which is like the uh, the home base where you return to periodically between events uh to advance the plot uh you and actually find a couple of npcs in there who will send you off to recover the other upgrades that you could have gotten so that actually opens up the full range of pads that you can take through each level rather than just being restricted to one single upgrade there is a lot to make you return to this game than the new order ever had and i really appreciate it for that fact um, just on the the political side of things, I, I like that it's something that Bethesda themselves haven't shied away from as well. Like uh, Pete Hines at A three made particular reference to the point uh, to loud cheers from the auditorium, which was cool. There are a lot of fun things uh, you can do with a hatchet and a Nazi. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, that's always nice to see, especially with the way Ubisoft have sort of disappointingly sort of flip-flopped, especially on Far Cry 5, which uh, I enjoy mechanically, but its setting and story is just so awful that I can't bring myself to finish it. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, but that's that's a discussion for another time. This is the Switch Focus podcast. Uh, yeah, I think that's probably a good place to leave it. Ready? time once again for our super smash brothers ultimate predictions uh, i am going to predict that we'll see some sort of dark souls reference <laughs> in smash brothers whether that's just an assist trophy or a level maybe even a knight as a fighter i doubt it but we'll, we'll see how that one goes what's yours andrew well with uh the xbox the unpopular kid on the playground you know kind of making friends with the cool new kid that everybody likes uh i think we're gonna see some more synergy between those two groups Uh, i think we're gonna see a lot more of rare being injected back Mm. into smash brothers as part of its history maybe even this is my actual prediction banjo kazooie coming back as playable i like it that's a good shout Especially if they're building up those relationships with the the crossplay elements and the the co-promotion of like Minecraft, that's that's a really good show. Ginny, cool. Well, I actually have one. Uh, funnily enough, <laughs> even though I had initially just typed a cry for help on our show notes, um, so I re- I had remembered that Super Smash Bros had um, levels at some beta stage levels, which are listed as different things in the debug menu which players can only get to using cheat codes or hacking it. And that those particular levels were actually levels based off Kirby's Dreamland from Kirby Universe. So seeing as how I've had, you know, Kirby come up recently and we all think he's great and adorable, I think that some of those, um, I guess, debug menu hidden maps are going to become playable. Previously, they were, too insta- they were too unstable to use as tournament maps, but I think that they're going to release them just because fans used to love trying to access them and they're going to make them playable maps Ooh, deep cut prediction i like it okay folks what are we playing in the next week i'm gonna try and finish adventure mode (laughs) and it's like a point of pride i need to 
Um, I'll probably be playing more Arena of Valor as well, and just Crash Bandicoot. Um, I was going to get Wolfenstein, but I still haven't finished it on the PlayStation, so I think I'll just go back to plugging away at what I've already got. I will probably be playing Crash Bandicoot Insane Trilogy and probably something else. I <laughs> I have no idea what's coming out next week. <laughs> Uh, I'm gonna finish Wolfenstein 2 for the second time, uh, and I'm also gonna be picking up Ease 8 Lacrimo- Lacrimosa of Dana. Oh yeah, that's right. On Friday, and um, yeah. I'm probably just gonna play enough of it to give you an opinion next week because the week after Octopath Traveler comes out, oh, no. which is a stupid release schedule, but yeah. uh, Octopath easily takes priority for me. Uh, and of course, Captain Toad's out that same week as well. So Aww. yeah, I, I'll, I'll give Ease Eight a quick look, but I won't be plugging much time until until after Octopath Traveler's done. So yeah. Thanks for listening to this episode of Switch Focus Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review on iTunes. It really helps us to get noticed. You can also listen and subscribe on Stitcher, TuneIn, iTunes, and other podcast services. Be sure to join our Discord server, where you can interact with the lively Switch Focus community. There's a link in the show notes. You can follow us on Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, and at switchfocuspodcast.com for updates, news, and other content. If you'd like to support the show, you can now buy us a coffee, where the details are on our website. Thanks in advance. If you want to follow us individually, Andy is at Flame Roast Toast, Ginny is at Ginny Woes, and I am at Play Critically, all on Twitter, and you can follow me on Twitch at twitch.tv slash playcritically.
I've got no puns this week. So. Oh, damn. Thank God. I like those. I like them. <laughs> I think they give us character, you know? My, my favourite thing was Eric from uh, Nintendo by Numbers complaining when he's just <laughs> full yeah. of puns, and then he, he used my puns to complain about my puns. 